0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Well, we have had um, a bunch of sickness here at the Gospel for Life lately. Um, the last couple of weeks, Jonathan was sick, and... Russ, I don't even. What were you doing? It was my son's birthday last <laughs> oh, week. Okay, Sorry. that's a pretty good excuse, I suppose. Um, and then Phil's sick today, so unfortunately, that's that's a bummer. But we do have a special guest in the studio with us, Ben
1: Blakey. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So yeah, my name is Ben Blakey, and thanks so much for having me on. And so I'm I'm a newcomer here to the Treasure Valley, and I'm leading a yet to be launched church plant. Called, it'll be called Compass Bible Church, and uh, we're getting a home Bible study started in. A couple weeks and then we'll be looking to launch in January of 2019. But I'm excited to be here with you guys today and talk about the attributes of God.
0: Well, hopefully you like the gospel because that's kind of a prerequisite to be on the show.
1: I love the
0: gospel. Okay, good. Excellent. All right. Well, we've been talking about the attributes of God. We're going through uh, the shorter catechism. Um, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And we began yesterday talking about the infinity of God. And uh, and it, this is truly a difficult attribute to get our minds around because it's uh, it's an incommunicable attribute, meaning it's an attribute that uh, no created being shares with God. Uh, it's un- it uniquely belongs to God. Yesterday we looked at what that means, and today I want to look at what duties or what obligations God's infinity lays on us. The Puritan Stephen Charnock has said this: that we should never think of the excellencies of the divine nature without considering the duties they demand and gathering the honey they present. So in other words, God is not an object to be merely studied, but one who demands our hearts to love him and our hands to serve him. So brothers, uh, what, kind, what kinds of duties are laid upon us because God is infinite? Well,
2: let me just review just something here. First, God is infinite in relationship to himself. He's absolute perfection. He's infinite in relationship to time he's you know we that's god's eternity and he's infinite in relationship to space that's god's immensity and so um you know the duty that we have to remember he's god and i'm not and that's you know we need to remember that god it, being infinite is bigger than any explanation that we can have of him and so oftentimes we th- think that if we can explain God, then we can control God. But we can't control God, he's infinite. And it shouldn't even surprise us, there are some things that don't lend themselves to easy explanations when we talk about God.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
3: I find it interesting in the book of Acts that um, Stephen is being charged with all of these offenses and they allow him to give a defense of himself. Um, against all these accusations that he he lays or that are laid against him, um, basically sedition. And his defense is to tell about the history of the nation of Israel. And he goes through all of these time periods and you're like, uh, Stephen, you, you're not getting the whole, you're going to be stoned. Let's try to provide something that's not going to get you stoned. And then you begin to wonder, well, what is he doing? What he's doing is he's giving a sermon on God's infinity. Mm. You had an idea is what he's saying to the Jewish leaders of his day of what God is like. And you've tried to confine God. You've tried to make God um, something that you can control and keep in your temple. And God's not bound. God's not bound by your temple. He's not bound by your rules. He's not bound by what you think God is infinite. Mm -hmm. And so part of our duty is to live as if God is infinite, Mm -hmm. that he is not confined to worship on a Sunday morning, Um, that the sum total of our Christianity is not worship service um, on Sundays, but that God is infinitely in, in the idea of that he's Ever present in every aspect of our life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think part of it is just the right application of what even Stephen was saying so long ago that our duty is to remember God is not bound.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the people that Stephen was talking to, you know, the religious leaders and the Pharisees, these were people that in the Gospels and the book of Acts, we see they were very proud and arrogant men. Mm -hmm. And if we understand the infinity of God, we'll be the opposite. Of those things. Just this morning in my Bible reading, came across Proverbs 22, verse 4, which says, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. And I think humility and fear of the Lord are two things that would sum up a good response to the infinity mm-hmm. of God. There's no way we should look at that and think much of ourselves. We should have a right, humble view of ourselves, and we should have a good sense of the fear, fear of the Lord. And that's a great expression of our duty and what what do we do in response to God's finity. We remember, uh, as Jonathan was saying, he is God and we are not. We're not. And And God constantly puts this right before our eyes. I mean, mm -hmm. in Isaiah 55,
0: he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I mean, just ask yourself, what is the point of that statement? It's exactly what you're saying, Ben, is to put us in our places to, right? r- to remind us that we are creatures and that God is creator.
2: And, and when we get it wrong, he says to us in Psalm 50, 21, you thought I was exactly like you, yeah. but n- I now arraign you and set my accusations before you. Well, let me just tell you who
3: I am, he's telling. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's more than just humility. Mm-hmm. I think there's supposed to be a sense of that it drives us. Outside of ourselves, which Mm -hmm. then moves us into trust. Right. So we're not. The humility helps us realize we're not God, Mm -hmm. and trust helps us to rejoice in that we're not God. Right. And and we and we
2: and we remember that all our thoughts about God are going to be less than He is. He's Mm -hmm. and our loftiest utterances are just mere trivialities compared to who He is. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, that understanding of His. Infinity, my duty is is in that to to realize that even in my best um, efforts to explain who he is, my eloquence is uh, not commensurate with his greatness
0: mm-hmm. and of course, this is not an argument like so you know one of the implications of God being infinite is that he's incomprehensible, and I think some people have used that you know word or that concept to kind of throw their hands up and say well god's incomprehensible and so why even study actually god's infinity encourages us to study yeah. it doesn't do the opposite
2: right and um, the... calvin said the finite can't com- comprehend the infinite um and there is a sense in which we can't totally comprehend him but what he has given to us, is, as Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, um, you says, know, the secret things belong to God, but what he's revealed to us belong to us and our children forever. Mm-hmm.
3: And the good news of, of both Colossians and Philippians is that though the image of, of God was severely marred in the fall, that the children of God are being renewed in the image of God in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. Right. So there is a sense in which... That which we lost um, and that which we lack we are growing in um, mm-hmm. so we I would hope that at the end of today I know God better than I did yesterday yeah but less than I will tomorrow yeah
1: and knowing God is inextricably linked to our sanctification mm-hmm. um, you know it's it's beholding God I love how it says it in 2 Corinthians three eighteen, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And that's why theology is never merely an academic exercise, because if we're really beholding God's glory, it's seeing who God is yeah. that causes us then to be transformed and to become yeah. more like him. Absolutely.
3: And one of the applications of that is, I mean, if you think about the command that Jesus gives, um, to the disciples, that we need to go into all the world and make disciples. The underlying premise of that command, or the foundation of that command, is God's infinity. He ends by saying, "I am with you always, mm-hmm. to the end of the age." Yeah. So his comfort, um, the theological foundation of that command to go, is, don't worry, I'm not bound. By time and space, you see me ascending, and it's okay because I'm an infinite being, and I'm with you to the end of the age. Yeah,
0: and I think that that, that last statement by Jesus is so helpful to help kind of deconstruct our our, our, uh, mental idolatry of who God is. You know, the Scripture often speaks about idolatry, and I think that many of us can oversimplify what that means, as if the only type of idolatry that exists is for those who bow down to statues or something, as if the only type of stuff that God was forbidding was some type of Indiana Jones adventure out there, you know? But idolatry is way more comprehensive than that. Uh, when I was teaching this attribute of God's infinity to some teenagers at our church, it was fairly simple. uncover much of the idolatry that they had about God. And I simply asked them the question if they thought God was boring. And you know, just pause and you you wait and you see the kind of smirks that start to creep up on their faces because they're falling asleep in my class, right? Do you think God is boring? Well, if God is boring to us, then we're not thinking about the right God. The God of the Bible is the God who created coffee and beer and canyons and bears and sex and adrenaline and skies to fly through with sound barrier-breaking jets. If we have a mental image of God that is less than infinite, then we do not have the right God in our mind but an idol. So brothers, how does God's infinity help us with our duty to not be idolaters?
3: I haven't been here in a month, so I think I can play this card again. I'm not going to answer your question, I, I am going to answer I have something. a better question to ask. No, I was just going to simply observe that um, I don't think people are falling asleep in your class because they think God is boring.
0: Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know that's a problem that I have in addition to that.
3: Yeah. No, I think God's infinity, uh, now I will go back to your question, helps us with our duty not to be idolaters because... We create idols when our we were made to worship, and idolatry is just simply us expressing that God given I'm um, part of how he he hardwired us to worship something beyond us. And so, what happens is when we have wrong thoughts of who God is, um, it's not such a hard jump to then move into creating God how we want Him to be, mm-hmm. or placing other things in the place of where God ought to be. Mm-hmm. And God is very jealous about who he is and how he ought to be approached and how we need to have right thoughts of him. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And when we begin to truly study the word of God and say, I mean, really our heart cry is should be every time we open up the word of God, reveal yourself to me in the words of, of the text so that I might have a clear view of who you are and if you walk away from a bible reading and you've never really contemplated what did this passage teach me about who god is i would suggest that you didn't read the bible correctly yeah yeah
2: I, idolatry slanders the character of god it's really libel it's thinking of god as he's not and um other than he is and that's a a terrible sin as aw tozer said Uh, a god begotten in the shadows of a fallen heart will quite naturally be no true likeness of the true god Mm. Uh, and so as you pointed out it's not it's not simply bowing down to a rock it's not kneeling before an image Um, even you know people don't do that very often now but uh, idolatry is and this is important assuming god to be something that he's not Yeah,
3: Patrick Morley used to always say there's a God that is and a God that I've created in my in my mind, and they're not the same thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, the way that God describes himself is the God whom no eye has seen, nor nor ear has heard, nor has the heart mm-hmm. of man imagined, but God has prepared himself for those who love him. This slight paraphrase. All right, brothers, uh, thanks for coming on the show today, and uh, we will see you next time. Go to ReformationBoise.com to find out information about this program as well as our upcoming conference. We'll see you next time.